I looked and behold, the heavens were open a ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? has our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God in as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, but, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas, like what is biblical love? You know, what is, what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love, like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. June 15th. This is Messiah Matters number 390. You're in for a good show today. You're in for a good show every day. My name is Caleb Hegg. How we know that this is going to be a good show is probably because we didn't prepare. I'm Rob Van Hoff. No, 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 no. You didn't prepare. Okay. What you talking? We well, that's man. always true. <laughs> uh, I am I am semi-prepared semi um i want everyone to notice the executive producers at the bottom of your screen right now if you're watching this we have a uh, new executive producer credit up on torresource.com go to Toro resource hover over store go down to other materials click on that you will see the new executive producer credit i have to t- the reason i'm so pumped about this is because i'm fairly confident that this is my favorite mug that we've made yet. And the reason why is because it's, so it's uh, fashioned after the, this is all Mike, by the way, our graphic artist. Uh, Mike has fashioned many of our mugs. Like for instance, this one, this was uh, Messiah Matters executive producer, summer 2022, 2021. The summer mugs seem to be the really, they're on fire. This is, uh, this is obviously the Louis Vuitton uh, uh, you know, pattern. However, it doesn't say LV, it says 36 and MM. So, uh, what Mike does is he takes, uh, you know, well-known brands and, and rebrands for us just for a very short time. And to, and this, this quarter, it is Domino's pizza. My favorite part about this, I was like, man, where's the 36? Cause he puts 36 on every single one of our, our mugs. Right. Um, and, so I'm like, where's the 36? It would be awesome if the 36 was the domino. And sure enough, the domino is three and then six. No way. It's Do you have one there? So, I don't. I just ordered it today. It's, it's nice. so good. Uh. It's so good. 
So, uh, yeah, that's good some, on you, that's Mike. Some that's good art. But, but let me tell you something. This is not just, uh, you know, I, I realized that, uh, you know, people who are not executive producers may feel like they're getting left out a little bit. And so Mike has also created a mug just for the general public. So if you are... <laughs> that just sounded funny. <laughs> just, just for you, if you're general public. Um, and no, it will not let your friends know that you're an executive producer. It will not. That is, that is true. Because um, you're not an executive producer. This is general public mugs. It just says general public on it. <laughs> no. No, it doesn't, um, though, does it? <laughs> so, uh, no, it does not. However, it is up on uh, the website as well. Go to uh, torresource.com, hover over store, go down to other materials. It is in there as well. I believe it's $15. <laughs> Everyone can grab one right now. Uh, so if you feel like you, your coffee or your tea has not been tasting as good because you <laughs> haven't been, you haven't been uh, drinking out of a, out of a uh, Messiah Matters mug, well, now is your chance to remedy that. And I would highly recommend you do because coffee tastes so much better when it's out of a Torah resource or a Messiah Matters mug, we should say. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's my plug for the day. Let's jump right into our, uh, to how to get a hold of us. If you would like to be a part of this conversation, you can do so. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, cheg at torahresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torahresource.com. And we've already mentioned Torah Resource multiple times now. So but I would quick, encourage you. Quick go question. To yeah, go ahead. Is there a link where we can see all the past uh, mugs? I don't even think, no, there's not. However, if you go over to the Miller's house, you can see all the past mugs. <laughs> right on. <laughs> the Millers have every single producer credit all the way back to number one. On the, on, is it on the, like the it's, fireplace mantle? You, no, you just, oh, you just open up their, their cupboard to get yourself a mug to drink something out of. And it's like, it's like a sea of Messiah Matters mugs. It's awesome. That's I know so there are cool. some, there, there are a couple of people who, uh, are are hardcore. They're diehards, and they have all of the uh, all of the mugs. So uh, and I, I, so somebody uh, somebody called in this past week and asked, well, what's the difference between you know all the mug and like like a producer credit? What's the producer credit and what's the support? So let me explain this real quick for those who might not know, and we'll make this really quick. Uh, there you you can support this show by uh, giving a monthly donation. It does go down as a donation. Um, and so you can get a tax write off for it, but the, uh, if you so please, um, basically it's just a way to help support this show. So for those who follow us on a regular basis, you know, that I had to get a whole new computer. Uh, it's our supporters who actually help us, uh, do just that, uh, get new equipment, get new apps, all that kind of stuff that we need. And actually, um, it, we need that stuff more often than you would suspect, so that's the that's the function of the support Messiah Matters. The executive producers, it's $100 per quarter. Uh, so every about three months or so, uh, we have a new producer credit. Uh, and you get, a, uh, you get a nifty mug that no one else has except for other executive producers for that quarter. They only last through that quarter. You can never get them again. Uh, you get your name at the, uh, to roll on the credits in the beginning. And... Uh, if you so please, people don't utilize, utilize this very often, but if you so please, you can write in a message that you would like read on air. And uh, if approved, we will read it on air. And we've never not approved one yet. So um, anyway, that's the, uh, that's the benefits of being an executive producer. What's the point for us of having executive producers? It's a fun way to, uh, to try to generate some money to also keep the show on the air. Uh, keep Keep people, you know, keep people like Mike making great art like that and making me coffee mugs. Oh, it's okay. So who's making your coffee? Okay. That's the other question. Yeah. We, I, we that's know who's a whole, making that's your That's a whole nother runaround. But anyway, okay. Let's, uh, let's jump in. We got some Shall stuff. We? Now I got a couple of things. It's very rare that I have questions that I want answers to. Uh, on this show. Usually I bat them back and forth between my colleagues. However, I've, I've been discussing with my son uh, 
some questions about Covenant. And, you know, he's nine, so really it's just me trying to talk to someone about this. And I thought, you know what, what better place than to, to throw them at R. Van Hoff uh, on the fly. Nice. With, without, uh, without him prepared for them. This is kind of like the, this is kind of like quick fire, okay? So the first one comes from an email exchange, and I have, some, I have an answer for this, but I want to hear your answer to this. So this actually wasn't out of my brain. This is somebody else. Was Moses circumcised? Was Moses circumcised? That's correct. That's the question. Yes. I agree. He was circumcised. However, the text never says so. Right? But but my my response to that was he had to be circumcised to enter the tent of meeting, right? Now that also, is it ever said that a person has to be circumcised to enter the tent of meeting or to enter the courtyard of the tent of meeting? Because I couldn't, I, I, I looked, I couldn't find it. Of course, it wasn't an in-depth look. Yeah. Um, what, I don't understand that question. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it has to be I mean, to be here, here, here's, here's a good point. We, we never hear that any of the 12 patriarchs from the tribes are circumcised. Except we learn that in the in the book of Acts, it says it's just Abraham circum. It says he says Abraham uh, circumcised Isaac, Isaac Jacob, and Jacob the twelve, uh, twelve patriarchs. So I I totally agree with you. Okay, let's move on to one of my questions. We never Here's, we never hear that Jacob is uh, Jacob and Esau are circumcised for that. Just matter. it's just implied. It's just understood. It's, yeah, but it's absolutely uh, understood. Okay, here's one of my questions. Can a person be part of the Abrahamic covenant and not part of the new covenant? No. I agree. I agree. So I would so in if, Romans if Paul Paul makes it clear, if you belong to Messiah, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, and <laughs> and uh Abraham and, longed to see my day, he saw it and was glad. That, Mike, that Mike, Ar- the gospel Mi- preached to Abraham. In you, all the nations, in your seed, all the nations of the world shall, will be blessed. I agree. Uh, Mike in the chat room, our graphic artist, uh, chimes in on the was Moses circumcised? He says he partook of the Passover. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, so boom, boom. Mike drop. That's on a that. guy. That's a guy who's read the Torah at least once, right? There. <laughs> at least once. Uh, so my, my question on the Abrahamic covenant, new covenant leads to a second question. Can a person be part of the Abrahamic covenant and not part of the Mosaic covenant? Okay. I'm not sure I understand the question. Say it one more time. Can let me, well, let me repeat it back to you. Can someone be part of the Abrahamic covenant, but not part of the Mosaic covenant or vice not, versa? Can, let, let's ask it this way. Can somebody be part of the Mosaic covenant, but not be part of the Abrahamic covenant? And and I'll, I'll I'll show my cards on this. There's well, a conversation. I'm going to say I'm going to say no. My answer is no, but I can tell I could give reasons why people might think yes. Okay, so I've uh, there has been a understanding that the land grant treaties given to Israel are Israel's in perpetuity. And when people say Israel, a lot of the time they say that the land grant treaties are only given to physical Israel, not to the Gentiles. I disagree with this, by the way. I, I don't believe that. But that has been an argument. And so then there is the understanding or the belief that goes down that road that, that uh, non-believing Jews are part of the Mosaic Covenant, but they're non-believing Jews. Yeah, well, the, the, the term Mosaic Covenant is a little bit of a straw man in my view. There's, there's nothing in the Bible called the Mosaic Covenant. So I, I would ask, could we? Ooh, re- that is a great. That is a great I ne- point. I need a. I need a more precise question. So let's let's. Well, well, I mean, but bit. I look at it like this: What? Why does? Why does Paul in Romans? Is it Roman? Not Romans nine. Not all Israel is Israel, right? Why? How can he get away with that riddle? It's a riddle. Paul occasionally gives riddles, and that's one of them. Because you go, wait a minute. Okay, it, it's like easy to remember. It's like okay, now I have to explain it. Well, how do I explain? Not all is not all Israel is Israel. You know yeah, why I did mean, why did why did Yeshua say to the Samaritan woman? You know, you don't know what you're worshiping. You don't know what you worship. 
So she, let's from their view, the Samaritans were a mosaic covenant community, right? I mean, they they had a, a Pentateuch. They it was in Hebrew. They had um, a belief about where the proper place to worship was. They believed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were their ancestors, right? They believed they were Israel, but they didn't call themselves Jews. They didn't call themselves Yehudim. So, so let's let's hash out real quick the the fact that uh, what you just said that there's no, nothing called the Mosaic Covenant in the Torah. So, then do you see the Abraham? Because this is where I've been going in my my path of of thinking in the past. I don't know two or three months. Can we actually separate the Abrahamic Covenant and the and the Torah given at Mount Sinai? And I have come to, I've come to believe that we can't, that they're not two separate covenants. In other words, Abraham's given the covenant that uh, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and he gives and he gives him a land grant treaty, right? He gives him the land, he gives him the, the promise of the land. But when we when we come to to Sinai, uh, it's just it's just that covenant, it's the covenant document. In other words, it's the here's the here's the land grant treaty in writing. Right? I mean, and I think that historically yeah, there, there's no that there's no uh there's no grounds to just start reading the torah at exodus 12 and just say oh all of a sudden you know the creator of the universe just saw some people suffering and you know it's not just i better go i'm just gonna go save those people and yeah you know let's take i gotta land it in mind i think i'll go give it to them like that's uh sadly that's some of the way the Jewish world, like in the in the rabbinic world, kind of is lopsided in that direction. The idea that because they want to say the Jews became a nation at Mount Sinai. And so they want to separate that as a unique point to start thinking legally from and then to categorize peoplehood. Do you belong? Are you part of it or not part of it? I guess one of the things that I've never thought about before is the traditional understanding from the Christian church. And when I say traditional understanding, I mean the broader understanding of the Abrahamic covenant within Christianity. In other words, does broader mainstream Christianity believe that the Gentiles were part of the Abrahamic covenant? Because Abraham was a Gentile, he was not a Jew. And so are the Gentiles part of that as well if they believe in Christ? And this goes down a road because some may say, well, no, but they benefit from the covenant because in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But ultimately, why wouldn't the Gentiles be part of the Abrahamic covenant? And this is something that I asked a a Christian brother in the Lord the other day, and he was baffled. He said, I've never thought of whether or not the Gentiles were, were, Part of the, you know, part of the Abrahamic covenant, but I just always thought it was a given. I just thought it was a given that the Gentiles believed that they were part of the Abrahamic covenant. I thought it was the Mosaic covenant, and when I say Mosaic covenant, what I'm referring to is the covenant given at Mount Sinai. And I think the reason that I separate those two is because within the within my upbringing in the church, that this is how the the covenants are spoken of. Right? There's five covenants. Right? There's and 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 Abrahamic and Mosaic are c- considered two different covenants. However, the more I read the Torah, the more I, I dive into the covenants, the more I think to myself, this isn't two covenants. This is one covenant. It's all the land grant treaty, right? It's all the it's all the land grant treaty between between God and His people. And this and then it, and so just the other day, it, uh, you know, I was I was thinking, well, does this mean? Does this mean that a per, like then where does the the new covenant fall into this? Because the new covenant is really just the the covenant given at Sinai, written on the heart, right? And it's you know the Abrahamic covenant is called the gospel in Galatians three eight, and so can we really separate the new covenant from the Mosaic and the Abrahamic covenant, or is it all the same covenant? Can't separate them. I mean, yeah. you do it to our we do so to our own peril and to our own you know, trying to cut up scripture and to compartmentalize things, but it it doesn't make any sense. Like you just pointed out, Jeremiah says the point was the Torah being internalized. And that's done by a pre that can't be done by a Levitical priesthood. The best, the best Levitical priest was John the Baptist. He was a son of Aaron. 
but but he he preached repentance, but he could not make a believer. He could not cause someone to believe. All he could do was preach the word that that God had given him to preach. But Yeshua, he actually knows your heart. <laughs> and can change the heart. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, we, and he's not constrained by death. Right. The Levitical yeah. priests are constrained by death. And so even the best of them can only minister for so many years. Yeshua Please. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lee says in the chat room, seems to be further revelation of the one covenant of grace that is revealed gradually, not a Jew-Gentile thing, to split them up, to think like a dispensationalist. I agree with that. Brandon asks the question, was Naaman in the covenant? He wasn't circumcised. Oh, uh, Naaman. Oh, Naaman, the Syrian. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an outlier case, but I think it's real important. Um, the The problem with Naaman... With this, with Naaman, uh, is that there was nowhere, nowhere in Israel um, for him to go. He was better off going back because Israel was was in total rebellion at the time. So where's he going to? You know, where's the prophet going to send Naaman? Oh, you know, there's this synagogue community over. You know, no. The prophets yeah. themselves were were rare. And you need to get circumcised. Were, I know this guy. He got five <laughs> bucks under the table. Not a problem at all. No, but it's not. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean. I don't even mean just circumcision. I mean, sure. Where is he going to go to join Israel to become part of God's people? The faith was rare. There was, you know, that that's the whole the whole story of, of Elijah and Elisha and the prophets. They were into ball worship. And so this this comes back you know, to a matter of heart rather than a matter of practice, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I mean, we actually we don't know whether he was circumcised or not. Um, you know, we're not told, but he definitely we're told of his faith. We're told that, you know that his faith is, is reckoned. So I would say, yeah, he's, he's a believer. To, I mean, to, to, to me, circumcision is not what enters you into the covenant. Correct. Faith is what enters you into the covenant. Yeah. The circumcision is just a sign that you, that you have accepted. Well, technically speaking, circumcision is a sign that your parents have accepted the covenant. Yeah. Okay. Let's move right. on to, uh, let's move on to some, Different topics altogether. Thank you for answering my questions, Mr. R. Van Hoff. Hey. Brandon writes in, same Brandon that's in the chat room asking about Naaman. Hey, Brandon. He writes in and he says this. Now, for those who missed last week, this is the this is on the heels of last week. In fact, if pretty much everything from here on out is going to be on the heels of last week. We talked about some teachers in the Hebrew Roots movement, and I had said, I don't think you can judge motivation or motives, rather. And uh, Rob pushed back on that rather strongly and said, I think that we absolutely can. Brandon writes in, in response to that, he says, when Rob said today in today's show, quote, how long does God let people live in a lie if they really love him? What was he implying? Was he saying they don't really love the Lord? We would say people who keep Sunday or teach Torah is abrogated are living in a lie. How long will God let this go on? It's been going on for around 2000 years now. Fair enough. Longer. Right. Yeah. My, yeah exactly. Uh, longer. Much longer. People, the, my point is, is what, what it says in the epistle of James, James chapter three, don't rush to be a teacher. Why? Because we will receive the greater judgment. Why is James saying that? And so the question is, what, what's the tip of the spear of the people? You know, we explain can all, that. We're, explain, we're, explain what you mean by that. We're all, you know, Yeshua promise, if you belong to him, that you're going to be pruned. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you're going to bear fruit, and my father's going to prune you so you'll be more fruitful. Right? That's until our last breath in this body 
and if we're walking with Yeshua, we're going to be growing and and learning and increasing in wisdom. Can you so, can you expi- can you explain but, what you mean but by what's, what's the, what's the, t- tip, the tip? Yeah, the tip of the spear is is are you on point with with hearing Yeshua's voice? Like he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. <clears throat> are you do you hear his voice? Are you following him? And are you encouraging other of his flock to hear his voice? That's the that's the core bit of a teacher. Okay, so people are going to obviously push against that and say someone like and let's bring up some some Christian brothers and sisters who are going to push against things like Sabbath Sabbath uh, keeping. That's not, and, the and Sabbath is not a tip of the spear item. Okay, so so when we the we're tip talking, of the spear it, item is the is is the core reality of the depravity of man and the the call to repentance, to repent and believe the gospel, to believe to to trust Yeshua. That's it, it. Doesn't matter if you, you could have the best, you know, quote Sabbath keeper in the world. You do. You have a whole different groups of Orthodox Jews who are super meticulous about their Sabbath observance, but they don't. They don't hear Yeshua's voice. So, and they're circumcised the eighth day. That doesn't mean you hear Yeshua's voice. So when we see when we see someone like when we when we see someone like Luther. Obviously, uh, Luther had some major issues, and uh, not just—I yeah. mean, not just theologically, but also, you know, he—he he was quite anti-Semitic, especially at the end of his life, right? Yeah, that—that—that uh, that, that is, you can actually chart that as he gets towards the end of his life. His start doesn't start out that way. So, and, so you have but, to, you so, have to so judge what, each person how, in their in their you, time. Who hang was? On just, hang on, just a sec. How would you? How would you? How would you classify the tip of his spear then? The tip of the tip of Luther's spear, which is embraced in the ref, the general Reformed tradition, is is the um, and it's a sharp it's a sharp sword really. Is the justification by faith, and I know that's a shorthand, but it means a lot of things. It means he first went thinking that he was going to reform the Roman church, right? He yep. thought, he thought they're going to receive me. They're going to, they're, everybody's going to love this truth. And he, boom, went, you know, smack against the, the, the reality of the, all the strange you know, worship of relics and and the types of of uh, false piety and self, you know. So uh, okay, so, and and, that- and so his claim, and he and he gave he basically put his life on the line, right? I mean, at the risk of his life, he sought to share with the world, and particularly in the Germ, you know, in Germany, the message of justification by faith. Now we can we know now he, he his his viewpoint of first century Jewish world was skewed because when he read for example the epistle to the Galatians he was imagining a monolithic Judaism that was basically the Catholic Church but led by rabbis and that he read um, uh, you know the gospel Yeshua and Paul as being kind of like the reformers. Okay, and but, he, but, but, and but he that's took out- that it and that that we know that was that's not a correct lens that he was using to read and but understand the, but that, the gospels. But, but, but it that does not val- invalidate his main point. But that okay, so hang on just a sec. So that wouldn't you wouldn't see that as tip of the spear, you would see that as outlier compared to what you're calling the tip of the spear is the basics uh, or the foundational gospel belief and a message, right? Am I am I getting that? So I'll I'll show you where I'm going here. Okay. Uh, in the chat room, we got two we got two comments here, or two people commenting here on this. He says, uh, Lee Kessler says, I draw the line when they when they deny the deity of Christ. And uh, Sean says, agreed, like I agree, uh, because then it is a different God, small g. Right. And so so do you think that deity of Christ is part of that spearhead? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, because there's a whole slew of problems with uh, when it comes to the command, the love commandment. If if Yeshua is not uh, Yodhivafe in the flesh, there's all well, sorts of problems. salvation, right? But but here's back to the tip of the spear idea. You we have to let context help us see. You know, today we have you know look at this. I mean, we've got this basically miraculous seeming technology right now. You know, Luther was right on the cutting edge of, of the printing press, but he was in hiding while he was translating. He had limited manuscripts, even though he had training in Greek and Hebrew, he had limited access. He had limited, he was on a timeline. He didn't have a bunch of people helping him. He didn't have, you know, you know what I mean? You got to understand the whole meal deal, you know, of, of what the individual was up against in his time frame, and not not judge him according to the availability. I mean, we take for granted, we have 50 English Bible translations. We have, you know, an internet full of people's opinions about what the Bible means or, or, you know, and so to me, there's, there's the, the idea of no excuse for particular uh, ignorances is way higher. Now the, we have voices such as, you know, Tim Hague's commentaries, you know, that there's, it's out there, it's in the world and people have been shown it. People have been told and they've doubled down on error. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when people's tip of the spear is nonsense, but, and, and it doesn't matter what you tell them, they push forward. That's not, you can't look at the church fathers and say that was the same thing. You know, that's a time when there's persecution, there's, uh, you know, all sorts of constraints that we don't have in our, in our era. So uh, there's, there's a couple of comments here, and I think, I think that this has missed the point, actually. So Brandon says, uh, can someone teach, uh, teach to murder? Why can they teach to break the Sabbath? And then Carl says, did not Luther murder Anabaptists for, the res- for them resisting the state baptism? Once again, I, what I hear Rob saying, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Rob, but what I hear you saying is the tip of the spear is the, is the momentum of the message. In other words, the foundation of the message. What I hear you saying is, is that, that that foundation is things like what like the actual gospel. And that gospel includes things like the deity of Christ. Those who reject things like the deity of Christ, they have they don't have the foundation. And therefore, in other words, they don't have the tip of the spear. All well, they have I, is- I, Yeah, but I with with respect to oh Luther did this, I wasn't there. I can't I I can't be a judge in the in the trial of Luther. I, I don't have I'll, all I have is this or that account. And I, I, I don't know, you know, I, God's judge, God's the judge of, of each one of us. Each one of but us I, ha, has to give an account. Okay. But, but I think the, the pushback on that is going to be, well, then how does that square with your comments last week about teachers who are continuing? Because I'm judging those. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm judging them in the spirit. Okay. There are people who were leading with lies. Done. Axe at the root of the tree. Stop the silliness. Repent. Stop feeding Yeshua's flock poison. Stop fleecing them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll judge those because it's, it's the time I live in. And I've lived here. I've been in this movement for 25 years. And I've done the hard work. And I see the people who are lazy. That's why I'm judging. And because I know I'm a, I'm, I know I'm a teacher, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to receive a, a harsher judgment. James chapter 3. I am a teacher in the body of Messiah. I'm not the only teacher but I am a teacher. That's where I'm coming from. And I'll talk to any of these people any day. And I will judge them. That's where I'm coming from. 
I think we'll just accept that as a mic drop on that Hoff one. goes okay. off. <laughs> let's, uh, let's. Okay, Here, now so I want to talk about deity of Yeshua for a minute. Okay. Go. I want to, I'll ask you a question. Yes. Are we commanded to love Yeshua? Yes. Okay. Is, is our obligation to love Yeshua the first commandment or the second commandment? The first. Okay. Agreed. Our obligation, I mean, I, I, I can, our obligation I can, to love Yeshua is a fulfillment of the of the Shema, not yes. of love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Yes. Because Caleb, my love for you and your love for me is the second commandment. Why? Because you and I both change. We're moving, living beings. We're going to go through different things in our life. We need to bear one another's burdens and lift one another up and edify one another and bring a corrective voice. When, if need be, to one another, right? And like yeah, Paul so says, I, I, if, if if one's in a transgression, we, we seek to restore. Our love for Yeshua is not that way. It's not reciprocal in that way because Yeshua doesn't change. You can only love your neighbors yourself is between people who are changing, changing, growing beings. But the living God does not change. So our the love relationship is different. It's 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 not based on the same kind of reciprocity. And the people who don't understand this don't know how to love. If someone says that Yeshua is just a man, they do not even understand the Shema or the love your neighbor commandment. They're just they just are making stuff up and selling it. And people are buying it. And it's going to be a harsh judgment day for them. Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with you in, in, in what you're saying. The, the, and particularly, I think it was Sean in the chat room who said uh, they're worshiping a different God. And this is the ca- I believe this is the case. A person who says that Yeshua is not God, that is a different God than the, than the God I worship. And the reason why is because according to the scriptures, God created the heavens and the earth Yeshua is the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is yod He is God. you got to understand the reason why, why, a, a lot, why, why I can say there's genuine believers, genuine flock in the larger Christian church, even though they don't understand the Sabbath, is because of, <laughs> it's because of, the, uh, of sin in the world and the trauma of, you know, there was just, there was just this, I shared it with Caleb and Caleb had already seen it. You know, this pastor who had, I don't even want to say, basically he called it adultery, but it was really rape, I think. Anyway, uh, for 20 years or whatever back. And and then when he, he comes out because he knows, I guess, that the, that uh, the ax is at the root of his tree. And so he comes out and tries to give it a, this, uh, uh, I don't even want to get into detail about it. it's heartbreaking but the point is all the church kind of sur- surrounds him and like you know they're they're like praying for him and and the and oh, the girl who's the victim. We're, we're so proud of you coming clean on this yeah yeah and and it's like so the point is we're in such a, a time of humanity where humans are damaged and they don't they're, they're so broken and so damaged and the 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 media and the you know there's there's a sin all over in the world you know the word of god is rare faith is rare so we need to we need to recognize what genuine faith is and be zealous to protect it and guard it okay hang on just and, a second and, we have- and not to not to fast forward somebody to oh well what do you think about the sabbath that's just that's so yeah, so 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 hang on in, on that. Uh, Brandon says, "Isn't it a lie to say the Sabbath is done away with?" I said, "Brandon, what is your point? Of course it is. What are you attempting to say?" He says, "Why is it not as damaging to say they can that they can break God's commandments as it is to deny the deity of Christ?" Because you're because talking about been, because they've been they've been taught. They're just they're just re, they're they're sheep that are just reiterating what they've been taught. We're talking. Well, it, it, hang on. It, what we're talking about is a difference between gospel that is justification. In other words, if I'm if I'm serving a false god, is that can, am I saved? 
The point is, is that no, the no, exactly. But if, but if you're keeeping the Sabbath, does it? That does not mean you are saved. Keep our works do not save us. Faith in God does. Faith in Christ this, does. Okay, and, now and we're if you, back if to the you tip believe, of the spear here. And if now you believe in a false, and if you if you believe in a false Christ, if you believe in a false God, that is not salvation. Salvation is putting your trust in the true living God. Now, once once you are saved, then you conform to Him. But this, right, right. but keeping the Sabbath, the is, keeping the the Sabbath is not going to save you. The promise of the new covenant is that God is the one that brings the conviction to the person. So the people who are out of out of genuine believers, there's countless people that are starting to ask questions of their own spiritual development, their own regular devotional time with the Lord, their own desire to just know the word of God better. And over, over the days and years and months, or months and years, <laughs> people start to ask these questions. And then you got to let that process grow. You got to let a person grow. They're not going to instantly learn all that you've learned. You've got to, it, it, for the tree to stand strong, for the house to stand strong in the, in the storm, it's got to be built by the, by the person brick by brick by faith. And you, they don't get it by arguing. You can't argue it. There might be certain times, certain windows where an argument is, a, is a, an appropriate approach. But I would say that it's got to be down on the list. Let's, let's move on. I, I want to move on because we got some other. So Robert wrote in, and this is on the heels of this, by the way. We're not moving away from this entire conversation. I think this is a great conversation. I, I just want to expand the conversation. So this email that he sent, I, we're, I, there's no way we're going to get to this whole thing but uh, because it is a very long email. However, I, it's worth reading in total, and so we'll probably have to come back to it next week. He makes three major points and then a fourth outlier point. Um on the heels of what we've been talking about. <clears throat> Here's his first point. Robert writes and he says this. He says, I typically don't like labels. So when you opened up with Messianics versus Hebrew Roots, I heard two terms that I am familiar with, but not fully able to distinguish. Fair. I, I think that's the case with most, most people. Um, he says, from your comments, I gather that you view Hebrew Roots adherents as non-Trinitarian flat earthers who have issues with the 66 book canon. Wait, that's no, that is not how I see Hebrew rooters. Oh no, no. Okay. How do you? That's not how I see Hebrew rooters. The the problem is, is that the, the Hebrew rooters is like, I'll give you an, I'll, I'll give you another analogy. Let's go back to another analogy. Okay. The Hebrew rooters, in my opinion, are like my junk drawer. And I don't mean junk as in trash. If I need something in my house that is mine, where do you I go? Paper, you got paper clips, a flashlight, a Phillips screwdriver, scissors, everything tape. that I I got everything I could ever need in that notes, junk drawer, right? <laughs> Pencils. You pull up, yeah, exactly. You pull up in the a junk bunch drawer. of keys. You don't know what they're to. <laughs> the, yeah, a wrench, right? There's all sorts of stuff. And and if I need something in my like, maybe I need to fix something. Chances are I can go, I can find a, a spare part of whatever it is in the junk drawer. Now, this is this is not a down on, on the Hebrew Rooters. At this point, this is a good thing because the Hebrew Rooters do have some good theology in terms of Torah observance. They have realized that, that there's a, a, a renewed view of the covenants within the Hebrew Roots movement. Fantastic. Beyond that, they have, they have a zeal, uh, a real zeal for... Uh, keeping the commandments of God. That's great too. But there is a problem with the junk drawer. There's a bunch of stuff in there that I am never going to use, don't need, and should, needs to be thrown out. And and the, the thing about the Hebrew Roots movement is not that they're all anti-Trinitarian. There are plenty of, of Hebrew Roots uh, people who believe in the deity of Christ and believe in the Trinity. The problem is, is that there is no one central doctrine within the Hebrew Roots movement. It is, not a, it is not a denomination. It is a movement. And therefore, anyone can can attach themselves to any teacher. Anyone can become a teacher. Any, it's just a free-for-all. It's just throw all the junk in that one drawer, and then you get to go and you get to choose what you want. And, and ultimately, this is 
this has created a significant amount of problems. And the reason why is because since there's no central doctrine, you have all these teachers who are anti-Trinitarian or who want to add to the 66 book canon or take away from the 66 book canon or whatever it may be, right? And the, the problem is, is that there are major, major issues among some of the foremost in the front Hebrew roots teachers. That's the problem. And when you have people who attach themselves to teachers, you know, one of the things that, uh, that uh, I, I'll, I'll name a name, okay? Monty Judah, yeah, he made false prophecies. But the most egregious thing that he did was he said that the book of Hebrews should not be in your Bible. He has never retracted that. His ministry has never retracted that. Now, granted, his ministry carries my father's Hebrews commentary. So, I mean, but that's not that's not them saying, hey, by the way, uh, Monty was wrong about this. And so you have people led astray because uh, what? I don't know, because somebody makes a, you know, a, a false statement. And so the point is, is now you have people in the Hebrew Roots Movement who are now denying the book of Hebrews because of that teacher. It's the same with people like Rico Cortez, who deny the Trinity. Okay? So the point is, is that it's not that it's not that every Hebrew rooter is wrong. There are some Hebrew rooters out there, they don't even know the, the foundational issues that are going on within the movement. What they see is, hey, I should be keeping the Sabbath. And there are some, this teacher, I've learned a lot from this teacher. And maybe it's Rico Cortez, maybe it's Monte Judah. They don't know the underlying issues. Maybe they're still, I, I know one gentleman, he's, he's, I mentioned him, I think, last week or the week before. <clears throat> Wonderful believer. He's a, a co-pastor at a, at a Pentecostal church. Loves the Lord with all of his heart and keeps the Sabbath and goes to a fellowship on Saturdays. If you ask him, so what, what's your belief? Well, I'm part of the Hebrew Roots Movement. That's what he'll tell you. Now, does he know about all the errant theology that's going on? No, he's, he's busy shepherding a flock. What he knows is that he's keeping the Sabbath on Saturday and he's keeping the festivals and he's learning more about Christ. So does that make him a heretic because he calls himself a Hebrew rooter? No, of course not. Of course it doesn't. What I'm focusing on is the fact that you got teachers in the Hebrew roots movement and their theology is all over the place because there's no one central do doctrine. Okay, let's see what the chat room has to say. Um, uh, yeah, and John uh, Johnny says uh, the vast majority do not, do not believe in the Trinity. However, there are those who classify themselves as Messianic that aren't Trinitarian as well. I agree with that statement. Let's keep going with Robert's uh, with Robert's uh, email here. But we can't make these claims universally, right? I mean, there are all kinds of people out there with a different mix of beliefs. I agree completely. If you have a video or a concise definition of the two uh, different groups, please let me know. Which I did. I sent him those uh, right now. They can be found on. Uh, growing in Messiah YouTube page, uh, they'll probably be moved at some point. I recently attended a new member class at my local Messianic synagogue where they claimed that Messianic Gentiles are not bound to the law as Messianic Jews are. Your take? My take is, is that that is not found anywhere in Scripture. In fact, it, that, is a, that is a standard Messianic Jewish view. There are outliers to that view, but there, that is a standard Messianic Jewish view, and I totally reject it. So does Rob. So, so does my father. That is a that is errant theology, and it's not found in Torah. It, yeah, it, there and, shall and be the same theology. That means it's stranger. an errant gospel too. Okay, my summary here is that I think it is great to debate the issues and topics, but labeling people can get us into trouble. You're always going to have labels. The Scripture labels people's people, right? The, the believers are called the way. They're also called Christians twice. Three times in scripture, they're called Christians. So the scriptures label people. That's all there is to it. At the very yeah, least, Yeshua, we need to... uh, uh, John the Baptist said, you brood of vipers. <laughs> At the very least, we need to uh, carefully define our terms and be prepared to address those who do not agree with our definitions. I completely agree with you. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I have tried my hardest to nail down what the difference is between Hebrew roots and Messianic. Why didn't Why didn't Yeshua just affirm the Samaritan woman? Yeah, you know what? You're good. You know you're worshiping the right God. You've You've got the Torah of Moses. 
So what if you disagree with some, with the Jews about certain things? You know, why didn't he just affirm Samaritan take on Israelite religion? Why did the Pharisees reject Yeshua? It wasn't because he was teaching some errant theology, because his practice was a little bit different. It wasn't that much different. It's because he claimed to be God. Time and time again, and they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because, because of blasphemy. What was the blasphemy? That he was God. It's, and it's it true. The, Yeshua said to the Sadducees, you err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God, right? right. So those were Jews, learned Jews who knew the Torah in Hebrew, right? It wasn't a matter of language. It wasn't a matter. It's not that you don't know how to read Hebrew. It was like you don't, your interpretive frame for reading and, and, and explaining the Torah is wrong. Now, so that you could say, well, Okay, let's say, you know, you go to some pastor in some church and you try to, you know, you're talking to him about the Abrahamic covenant and you're talking about the commandments, et cetera, and they don't want to hear. Well, what are you, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, one question is, <clears throat> do you have the log? I mean, you just got to go to what you, sh- how does Yeshua instruct us? Do you have the log out of your own eye first? Because I tell you what, if I'm self-righteous about the Sabbath and I've got this huge log of self-righteousness in my eye and I go to a local church and I start arguing with the pastor because he's lying about the Sabbath, telling people it's done away. You know what I mean? I'm, I, <laughs> I have my reward right there. So what you're talking it, about actually leads into uh, Robert's next point. And this comes to education and distrust of the of the uh, of the Christian Church, he says. You made a strong case for education. You stated that there are no leaders in the Hebrew Roots movement who are seminary trained and, as such, do not have full grasp of foundational theological constructs nor skills in working with ancient languages or original text. Fair enough. And let me offer an observation. Many pronomians, those for those who don't know the term pronomian, also titled one law. Um, it's uh, belief that the Torah is for Jew and Gentile alike. Many pronomians have come to the realization that what they were taught growing up in the church is not correct, and this plants a seed of distrust. I'm not sure what you mean by that. The, I, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that, the, that it, it is true in terms of Sabbath and festivals and kosher laws, but ultimately, the... I think that the baby's being thrown out with the bathwater. The foundational doctrine of the church is that Yeshua is God, that he came in human form to save his people from their sins, that the Holy Spirit now indwells the people to turn their hearts to him, and that once justified, a person is sanctified through the uh, uh, co-work of the Holy Spirit in the person. Those are all the foundational truths. That, that is what the church has taught. That's what we believe. So I, I agree that, yeah, people, people think that their church has lied to them, but I think that they, but that is, is not across the board. And it's not, a, it's not that they've lied to them on, it's not malicious. It's that, they, it's that they haven't come to that understanding yet anyway. Likewise, they removed their children from public schools to homeschool them because of decline of Christian values in schools. They refused the jab because they recognized the incestuous relationship between public health and big pharma, and so on and so on. My point is that many pronomians are becoming accustomed to distrusting the establishment in many spheres of life. If the church led them astray on the Torah... What else are they hiding from them or teaching incorrectly? Yeah, I, I once again I reject I would this just, line of I'd thought. I want to clarify. You know, there's plenty of homeschoolers that are not believers that have just completely different approaches. There are plenty of people who are anti-jab, who are not doing so out of a biblical conviction. Right. So we just, I, 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 it's not that his profile is is off. I think there's some points to be made, but but sure. we can't just. Th- it's not just um, those groups that are doing that. There can be multiple motivations for people um, along those lines. 
Well, he goes on. Um, this is I, this is where he hits hits his. So point the here. the only point, if just to put a, a cap on that, is just to say that suspicion of institutions. You know, I I mean, there, I used to see these bumper stickers, question authority, right, all the time. But that's that's an anarchist worldview would would have the same statement without any com- conviction as to the deity of you know messiah or or the bible in general so um okay but but here here is his here, here is his ultimate point he says likewise institutions of higher education are bowing to the pressures of the liberal left and embracing crt and socialism so it is not a big leap for some to draw the con- con- uh conclusion that even seminaries even conservative seminaries are not immune from error of course not i i would agree with that seminaries correct. are not immune to error obviously um, he goes on, please consider the possibility that centuries or even millennia of theological error could have been handed down from the early fathers to today's modern seminary. I think that any pronomian would agree with that statement to some degree. Sure. But, but once again, how is the Holy Spirit preserving the gospel message? It has been through the Christian church, no matter how wrong they are. We owe a huge and it's, and debt. And it's the Christian church that is, is, if we're going to use the broad brushstrokes that has provided all the translations and all these, in how many thousands of languages? So, but, but check That's this out. That's what I check, mean by tip check, of the check, spear. Check, check this. Check, uh, so, so check this last uh, little paragraph out. So given all that, even if a non-Trinitarian Hebrew roots leader wanted to go to conservative seminary, could they even get admitted? The answer is probably not. They shouldn't Caleb, be a teacher. <laughs> they shouldn't be a teacher if they're non-Trinitarian. What they they have disqualified themselves. They should sit down and learn in the in the in the Sunday school class with the with the kindergartners. That's literally what they should do. Here, here's here's what you could do. It's just re- what they need to go is learn about all the non-Trinitarians in history and what happened to them. Well, fear right? doesn't. I mean, it, fear, fear, fear like that doesn't doesn't matter. But the, but no, I no, guess no. The, I don't mean. I don't mean. I don't mean like in a. Uh, uh, <laughs> being burned at this. Time. I mean, did God didn't build his church that way? Obviously, like right. we know that that they never got traction because it's not it, it's not a coherent uh, biblical worldview. Yeah, and the reason that the seminaries don't want to admit people who are non-Trinitarian is because it's a different religion. It's a different belief. They believe in a different God. Why would I want a Buddhist coming to my seminary if I'm trying to teach the Bible to people? Go and learn about the basics of of the Bible and who God is, and then come back. I'm not going to train somebody who doesn't believe in the foundational basic belief Right. Uh, to to try because what's going to happen? They're going to get an education. They're going to go poison the 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 flock even right. more. Right. The greatest commandment is not hate on the church. The greatest commandment is not be angry and go fight against the church because the church lied to you. That's not the right. greatest commandment. The greatest commandment, Yeshua teaches us what that is. And so, if the tip of your spear is the church lies. Then you're then you need you're like in kindergarten when it comes to learning the Torah. If the tip of your spear is how the church lies, then you're going to die on the wrong battlefield. Yes, you're going to die that on a field so where where true. where there's no action. Yep, I I completely agree with that. Let's go to his third point. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. There are some very sincere persons who believe in salvation by grace alone through faith in the work of Yeshua on the cross who have a hard time reconciling monotheism with Trinitarianism. They haven't understood the gospel. I'm talking about people who are spirit-filled. You cannot be spirit-filled and reject who God is. You cannot have the spirit of Christ and reject Christ. (laughs) No doubt. Yeah, it's like... (laughs) That just because a person is a nice person doesn't mean that they're they're spirit filled. You know what? I, some of the nicest people that I have met. This is not a joke. Some of the nicest people that I've met, and some of the most religious people and and sincere about their faith people that I have met, are Buddhists. They're Buddhists. 
They reject God. They reject the God of the Bible. They, they have a completely different system of religion. Are these people filled with the Holy Spirit? No, of course not. Yeah, but there's, there, there's a, the, the worldly wisdom that is encapsulated. Now, I don't know much about Buddhism. Is the, the idea of if, if, if you can get a Buddhist to like flip their lid and get angry at you and yell at you, okay, they're going to at least go back and go, uh, I just <laughs> like, they, I didn't keep my cool. They at least are recognizing something like the, that the urge to be, to have an emotional reaction against somebody is a, is a priority to look, be on the lookout. And I'd say that's a lot better than a lot of Christians I know. Okay, so let's keep going with this. I'm not just talking about the fact that there that the word Trinity doesn't appear in the writings, or uh, which is a minor point. There are other scriptures and points to ponder that are raising questions. My key point here is, why is this issue so important that the church wants to deny fellowship to non-Trinitarians or not even be open to having civil discussion on the matter? Is there non-room? Is there no room? Or is there not room for the two different parties to agree to disagree? There is not room for that. Now, I say that as a person who has had non-Trinitarians who came to, to the church that I pastored and tried to fellowship every single week. It was a major point of contention. We were not going to let them be members. I wasn't going to tell them they couldn't hear the gospel. I wasn't going to tell them that they couldn't come into the church. But... Ultimately, the point is, is no, there's no room for that. There's no room for there's no room for agreeing to disagree on this. You're talking about serving a different God. You're talking about serving a God that is not the God of the Bible. You think it's the God of the Bible, but it's not. Now, if you want to have a discussion on that, on the deity of Christ, I've had those many times with people, and I will continue to have them because people do turn from their errant ways. But this is not a minor point. This is the foundational, central, this is the central point. This is the reason that the Jews reject Christianity. It's the reason that so many people throughout history have rejected Christianity. It's not because of some moral system or not because of hypocrisy in the church. It is because people have rested their faith in the fact that Christ is God in the flesh. That is the center point of our, our, of our faith. If you deny that, then we have two different faiths. That's the point. Yeah, and we're back to the, like, how come, back to John chapter 4. Why didn't Yeshua, it's like Yeshua's talking to the Samaritan woman, imagine uh, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree. <laughs> He's like, uh, salvation is from the Jews, and she's like, well, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree. Right? No, that, that like obviously, that didn't happen. Why? Because truth has a trajectory. It it it's something you take a stand for because it's because it's true, and. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no such thing as your truth or my truth. There is truth. That's it. There is truth. And if you don't believe that truth, that's up to you. I'm not going to just shun you and say I'm not never going to talk to you. But what I am going to say is we definitely have different beliefs. If you believe that Yeshua is not God in the flesh, guess what? I do, which means I believe that Yeshua is God. You don't believe that Yeshua is God. That means that we believe in a different God. If I believe that Yeshua is God and you don't believe that he's God, that means we believe in two different gods. Now, I don't care how who's, close who's, you're Let me ask you this, Caleb. Who's more likely to want to add a book or subtract a book from the Bible? Someone who believes Yeshua is Yodei Vave in the flesh or someone who rejects that idea? Well, I, th I think... Do you think... Is it, I mean, is there a correlation? I would say it's more like, I would just say it's more likely that the person who rejects the deity of Christ is more likely to suggest an alteration of the canon. Well, I think that, that because is that I, think that, I think that because the alteration of the canon is just, is just the tip of an iceberg in, in huge, in, in theological issues. It, it shows that there is not a, a understanding or a, a strong grounding in the foundational truths of the word. And, and we have to square with the fact, you know, that Yeshua says many in that day will say, didn't we do this in your name? He's like, I never knew you. Yeah. That's back, back, 
back to the sobering words of Yeshua. Those are some of the soberingness. Soberingest okay. uh, <laughs> words. The chat room has been ablaze all day long, and we appreciate that. Uh, it's been a good conversation, and I hope that we've. Uh, I think that we have. I know that we have uh, gained some some controversy here, and that people will write in, and we welcome your comments and uh, criticisms, or your questions, or your accolades. Two five three four six five thirty two zero five. It's two five three four six five thirty two zero five. You can also shoot us an email. Chegg at torresource dot com. It's C H E G G torresource dot com. We will be back, I believe, next week. We have one more week before I go on vacation. I think. Maybe two weeks. I'll have to check my uh, my calendar. Anyway, uh, until then, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Mm-hmm.